1: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and today, Chapter 17, from Mr. Stanfast by John Buchan. A reminder for your listeners, at the end of Chapter 16, Hannay was able to escape from the trap below the house. He found his way up into the house and entered a lounge, and soon a man he recognized as his enemy, the Portuguese Jew, walked in. Thinking quickly, Henné introduced himself in German, and the Portuguese Jew immediately made the assumption that Henné was a fellow spy, named Conradi. And now, Chapter 17, The Call of the Swallows. He pointed to the slip on the table. "'You have seen the orders?' I nodded. "'The long day's work is over. You must rejoice, for your part has been the hardest, I think. Some day you will tell me about it.' The man's face was honest and kindly, rather like that of the engineer Gaudian, whom two years before I had met in Germany. But his eyes fascinated me, for they were the eyes of the dreamer and fanatic, who would not desist from his quest while life lasted. I thought that Ivory had chosen well on his colleague. My task is not done yet, I said. I came here to see Chelius. He will be back tomorrow evening. Too late. I must see him at once. He has gone to Italy, and I must overtake him. You know your duty best, he said gravely. "'But you must help me. "'I must catch him at Santa Giera, "'for it is a business of life and death. "'Is there a car to be had?' "'There is mine, but there is no chauffeur.' "'Chelius took him. "'I can drive myself, and I know the road, "'but I have no pass to cross the frontier.' "'That is easily supplied,' he said, smiling. "'In one bookcase there was a shelf of dummy books. "'He unlocked this and revealed a small cupboard whence he took a tin dispatch box.' From some papers he selected one from some papers he selected one which seemed to be already signed name he asked, "Call me Hans Gruber Brieg. I said, I travel to pick up my master, who is in the timber trade, and your return. I will come back by my old road, I said mysteriously, and if he knew what I meant, it was more than I did myself. He completed the paper and handed it to me. This will take you to the frontier post. AND NOW FOR THE CAR. THE SERVANTS WILL BE IN BED, FOR THEY HAVE BEEN PREPARING FOR A LONG JOURNEY, BUT I WILL MYSELF SHOW IT TO YOU. THERE IS ENOUGH PETROL ON BOARD TO TAKE YOU TO ROME. HE LED ME THROUGH THE HALL, UNLOCKED THE FRONT DOOR, AND WE CROSSED THE SNOWY LAWN TO THE GARAGE. THE PLACE WAS EMPTY BUT FOR A GREAT CAR, WHICH BORE THE MARKS OF having COME FROM THE MUDDY LOWLANDS. TO MY JOY I SAW THAT IT WAS A Daimler, A TYPE WITH WHICH I WAS FAMILIAR. I LIT THE LAMPS, STARTED THE ENGINE, AND RAN IT OUT ONTO THE ROAD. "'You will want an overcoat,' he said. "'I never wear them. "'Food? "'I have some chocolate. "'I will breakfast at Santa Giara.' "'Well, God go with you.' "'A minute later I was tearing along the lakeside "'toward St. Anton Village. "'I stopped at the cottage on the hill. "'Peter was not yet in bed. "'I found him sitting by the fire, trying to read, "'but I saw by his face that he had been waiting anxiously on my coming. "'We're in the soup, old man,' I said, as I shut the door.' In a dozen sentences, I told him of the night's doings, of Ivory's plan, and my desperate errand. "'You wanted a share?' I cried. "'Well, everything depends on you now. "'I'm off after Ivory, and God knows what will happen. "'Meantime, you have got to get on to Blankiron and tell him what I've told you. "'He must get the news through to GHQ somehow. "'We must trap the wild birds before they go. "'I don't know how, but he must. "'Tell him it's all up to him and you.' for I'm out of it. I must save Mary, and if God's willing, I'll settle with Ivory. But the big job is for blank Iron and you. Somehow he has made a bad break, and the enemy has got ahead of him. He must sweat blood to make up. My God, Peter, it's the solemnest moment of our lives. I don't see any light, but we mustn't miss any chances. I'm leaving it all to you. I spoke like a man in a fever, for after what I'd been through I wasn't quite sane.' My coolness in the pink chalet had given place to a crazy restlessness. I can see Peter yet, standing in the ring of lamplight, supporting himself by a chair back, wrinkling his brows, and as he always did in moments of excitement, scratching gently the tip of his left ear. His face was happy. "'Never fear, Dick,' he said. "'It will all come right.' And then, still possessed with a demon of disquiet, I was on the road again, heading for the pass that led to Italy." The mist had gone from the sky, and the stars were shining brightly. The moon, now at the end of its first quarter, was setting in a gap in the mountains as I climbed the low call from the St. Anton Valley to the greater Stubthal. There was frost, and the hard snow crackled under my wheels, but there was also that feeling in the air which preludes storm. I wondered if I should run into snow in the high hills. The whole land was deep in peace. There was not a light in the hamlets I passed through, not a soul on the highway. In the Stubthal, I joined the main road and swung to the left up the narrowing bed of the valley. The road was in noble condition, and the car was running finely, as I mounted through forests of snowy pines to a land where the mountains crept close together, and the highway coiled round the angles of great crags or skirted perilously some profound gorge, with only a line of wooden posts to defend it from the void. In places, the snow stood in walls on either side, where the road was kept open by man's labor. In other parts, it lay thin. "'and in the dim light one might have fancied "'that one was running through open meadowlands. "'Slowly my head was getting clearer, "'and I was able to look round my problem. "'I banished from my mind the situation I had left behind me. "'Blank Iron must cope with that as best he could. "'It lay with him to deal the wild birds. "'My job was with Ivory alone. "'Sometime in the early morning he would reach Santa Giara, "'and there he would find Mary. "'Beyond that my imagination could forecast nothing.' "'She would be alone. "'I would trust his cleverness for that. "'He would try to force her to come with him, "'or he might persuade her with some lying story. "'Well, please God, "'I should come in for the tail end of the interview, "'and at the thought I cursed the steep gradients I was climbing "'and longed for some magic to lift the Daimler beyond the summit "'and set it racing down the slope towards Italy. "'I think it was about half-past three "'when I saw the lights of the frontier post. "'The air seemed milder than in the valleys.' "'and there was a soft scurry of snow on my right cheek. "'A couple of sleepy Swiss sentries with their rifles in their hands "'stumbled out as I drew up. "'They took my pass into the hut "'and gave me an anxious quarter of an hour while they examined it. "'The performance was repeated fifty yards on at the Italian post, "'where to my alarm the sentries were inclined to conversation. "'I played the part of the sulky servant, "'answering in monosyllables and pretending to immense stupidity. "'You are only just in time, friend.' said one in German. The weather grows bad, and soon the pass will close. Ugh! It is as cold as last winter on the Tonal. Do you remember Giuseppe? But in the end, they let me move on. For a little I felt my way gingerly, for on the summit the road had many twists, and the snow was confusing to the eyes. Presently came a sharp drop, and I let the Daimler go. It grew colder, and I shivered a little. The snow became a wet white fog around the glowing arc of the headlights, and always the road fell, now in long curves, now in steep short dips, till I was aware of a glen opening towards the south. From a long living in the wilds I have a kind of sense for landscape without the testimony of the eyes, and I knew where the ravine narrowed or widened, though it was black darkness. In spite of my restlessness, I had to go slowly, for after the first rush downhill I realized that, unless I was careful, I might wreck the car, and therefore spoil everything. The surface of the road on the southern slope of the mountains was a thousand percent worse than that on the other. I skidded and sideslipped, and once grazed the edge of the gorge. It was far more maddening than the climb up, where then it had been a straightforward grind with the Daimler doing its utmost, whereas now I had to hold her back because of my own lack of skill. I reckoned that time, crawling down the summit of the Staub, as one of the weariest hours I ever spent. Quite suddenly I ran out of the ill weather into a different climate. The sky was clear above me, and I saw that dawn was very near. The first pine woods were beginning, and at last came a straight slope where I could let the car out. I began to recover my spirits, which had been very dashed, and to reckon the distance I still had to travel. And then, without warning, a new world sprang up around me. Out of the blue dusk, White shapes rose like ghosts, Peaks and needles in domes of ice, Their bases fading mistily into the shadow, But the tops kindling Till they glowed like jewels. I had never seen such a sight, And the wonder of it for a moment Drove anxiety from my heart. More, it gave me an earnest of victory. I was in clear air once more, And surely in this diamond ether The foul things which love the dark Must be worsted. And then I saw, a mile ahead, a little square red roof building which I knew to be the Inn of Santa Chiara we'll we'll return to our story right after these sponsor messages
0: it's lunchtime at Tim Hortons and we're serving up a special deal just for you our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips because what's lunch without a little crunch and the sandwich choice is all yours like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap BLT and more, made to order just the way you like it
1: AND NOW BACK TO OUR STORY. IT WAS HERE THAT misfortune MET ME. I HAD GROWN CARELESS NOW AND LOOKED RATHER AT THE HOUSE THAN AT THE ROAD. AT ONE POINT THE HILLSIDE HAD SLIPPED DOWN. IT MUST HAVE BEEN RECENT, FOR THE ROAD WAS WELL KEPT, AND I DID NOT NOTICE THE LANDSLIDE TILL I WAS ON IT. I SLEWED TO THE RIGHT, TOOK TOO WIDE A CURVE, AND BEFORE I KNEW THE CAR WAS OVER THE FAR EDGE. I SLAPPED ON THE BRAKES, BUT TO AVOID TURNING TURTLE I HAD TO LEAVE THE ROAD ALTOGETHER. I slithered down a steep bank into a meadow, where for my sins I ran into a fallen tree truck with a jar that shook me out of my seat and nearly broke my arm. Before I examined the car, I knew what had happened. The front axle was bent, and the off-front wheel badly buckled. I had not time to curse my stupidity. I clambered back to the road and set off running down it at my best speed. I was mortally stiff, for Ivory's rack was not good for the joints. "'but I realized that only as a drag on my pace, "'not as an affliction in itself. "'My whole mind was set on the house before me "'and what might be happening there. "'There was a man at the door of the inn "'who, when he caught sight of my figure, "'began to move to meet me. "'I saw that it was Launcelot Wake, "'and the sight gave me hope. "'But his face frightened me. "'It was drawn and haggard like one who never sleeps, "'and his eyes were hot coals. Hane, he cried. For God's sake, what does it mean? Where is Mary? I gasped, and I remember I clutched at the lapel of his coat. He pulled me to a low stone wall by the roadside. I don't know, he said hoarsely. We got your orders to come here this morning. We were at Chiavagno, where Blankiron told us to wait. But last night Mary disappeared. I found she had hired a carriage and come on ahead. I followed at once, and reached her here an hour ago to find her gone. THE WOMAN WHO KEEPS THE PLACE IS AWAY, AND THERE ARE ONLY TWO OLD SERVANTS LEFT. THEY TELL ME THAT MARY CAME HERE LATE, AND THAT VERY EARLY IN THE MORNING A CLOSED CAR CAME OVER THE stop WITH A MAN IN IT. THEY SAY HE ASKED TO SEE THE YOUNG LADY, AND THAT THEY TALKED TOGETHER FOR SOME TIME, AND THAT THEN SHE WENT OFF WITH HIM IN THE CAR DOWN THE VALLEY. I MUST HAVE PASSED IT ON MY WAY UP. THERE'S BEEN SOME BLACK devilment THAT I CAN'T FOLLOW. WHO IS THE MAN? WHO WAS HE? HE LOOKED AS IF HE WANTED TO THROTTLE ME. "'I can tell you that,' I said. "'It was Ivory.' He stared for a second, as if he didn't understand. Then he leaped to his feet and cursed like a trooper. "'You've botched it, as I knew you would. I knew no good would come of your infernal subtleties.' And he consigned me and Blank Iron and the British Army and Ivory and everybody else to the devil. I was past being angry. "'Sit down, man,' I said, and listen to me. I told him of what had happened at the Pink Chalet.' "'He heard me out with his head in his hands. "'The thing was too bad for cursing. "'The Underground Railway!' he groaned. "'The thought of it drives me mad. "'Why are you so calm, Henné? "'She's in the hands of the cleverest devil in the world, "'and you take it quietly. "'You should be a raving lunatic.' "'I would be if it were any use, "'but I did all my raving last night in that den of ivories. "'We've got to pull ourselves together, Wake. First of all, I trust Mary to the other side of eternity.' She went with him of her own free will. I don't know why, but she must have had a reason, and be sure it was a good one, for she's far cleverer than you or me. We've got to follow her somehow. Ivory's bound for Germany, but his route is by the Pink Chalet, for he hopes to pick me up there. He went down the valley, therefore he is going to Switzerland by the Morjolana. That is a long circuit, and will take him most of the day. Why he chose that way I don't know, but there it is. "'We've got to get back by the stab. "'How did you come?' he asked. "'That's our damnable luck. "'I came in a first-class six-cylinder Daimler, "'which is now lying a wreck in the meadow a mile up the road. "'We've got to foot it.' "'We can't do that. It would take too long. "'Besides, there's the frontier to pass.' "'I remembered ruefully that I might have got a return passport "'from the Portuguese Jew, "'if I had thought of anything at the time "'beyond getting to Santa Chiara.' "'Then we must make a circuit by the hillside and dodge the guards. "'It's no use making difficulties, Wake. "'We're fairly up against it, but we've got to go on trying till we drop. "'Otherwise I'll take your advice and go mad.' "'And supposing you get back to St. Anton,' he said, "'you'll find the house shut up and the traveller's gone hours before by the underground railway.' "'Very likely. "'But, man, there's always a the glimmering of a chance. "'It's no good chucking in your hand until the game's out.' "'Drop your proverbial philosophy, Mr. Martin Tupper, "'and look up there.' "'He had one foot on the wall "'and was staring at a cleft in the snow-line across the valley. "'The shoulder of a high peak dropped sharply to a kind of nick "'and rose again in a long, grateful curve of snow. "'All below the nick was still in deep shadow, "'but from the configuration of the slopes "'I judged that a tributary glacier ran from it "'to the main glacier at the head. "'That's the call del Rondini,' he said. "'The call of the swallows.' "'It runs straight to the Stabthal, near Grunwald. "'On a good day, I've done it in seven hours. "'But it's not a pass for winter time. "'It has been done, of course, but not often. "'Yet if the weather held, it might go even now, "'and that would bring us to St. Anton by the evening. "'I wonder,' and he looked me over with an appraising eye, "'I wonder if you were up for it. "'My stiffness had gone, "'and I burned to set my restlessness to physical toil.' "'If you can do it, I can,' I said. "'No, there you're wrong. "'You're a hefty fellow, but you're no mountaineer, "'and the ice of the Col del Rondini needs knowledge. "'It would be insane to risk it with a novice, "'if there were any other way, but I'm damned if I see any. "'And I'm going to chance it. "'We can get a rope and axes in the inn. "'Are you game?' "'Right you are,' I said. "'Seven hours, you say. "'We've got to do it in six. "'You'll be humbler when you get on the ice,' he said grimly. "'We'd better breakfast, for the Lord knows when we're going to see food again.' We left the inn at five minutes to nine, with the sky cloudless and a stiff wind from the northwest, which we felt even in the deep-cut valley. Wake walked with a long, slow stride that tried my patience. I wanted to hustle, but he bade me keep in step. "'You take your orders from me this time, Hannay, for I've been at this job before.' "'Discipline in the ranks, remember?' "'We crossed the river gorge by a plank bridge "'and worked our way up the right bank, past the moraine, "'to the snout of the glacier. "'It was bad going, for the snow concealed the boulders, "'and I often floundered in holes. "'Wake never relaxed his stride, "'but now and then he stopped to sniff the air. "'I observed that the weather looked good, but he differed. "'It's too clear. "'There'll be a full-blown gale on the call "'and most likely snow in the afternoon.' "'he pointed to a fat yellow cloud "'that was beginning to bulge over the nearest peak. "'After that, I thought he lengthened his stride. "'Lucky I had these boots resold and nailed at Chiavagno,' "'was the only other remark he made "'till we had passed the Seracs of the main glacier "'and turned up the lesser ice stream from the Col de Rondini. "'By half-past ten we were near its head, "'and I could see clearly the ribbon of pure ice "'between black crags too steep for snow to lie on, "'which was the means of ascent to the Col.' The sky had clouded over, and ugly streamers floated on the high slopes. We tied on the rope at the foot of the Bergschrund, which was easy to pass because of the winter snow. Wake led, of course, and presently we came on to the icefall. In my time I'd done a lot of scrambling on rocks, and used to promise myself a season in the Alps to test myself on the big peaks. If I ever go, it would be to climb the honest rock towers around Chamonix, for I won't have anything to do with snow mountains." "'That day on the Col del Rondini fairly sickened me of ice. "'I dare say I might have liked it if I had done it in a holiday mood, "'at leisure and in good spirits. "'But to crawl up that calure with a sick heart "'and a desperate impulse to hurry was the worst sort of nightmare. "'The place was as steep as a wall of smooth black ice "'that seemed hard as granite. "'Wake did the step-cutting, and I admired him enormously. "'He did not seem to use much force, "'but every step was hewn cleanly the right size.' "'and they were spaced the right distance. "'In this job he was a true professional. "'I was thankful Blankiron was not with us, "'for the thing would have given a squirrel vertigo. "'The chips of ice slithered between my legs "'and I could watch them all till they brought up "'just above the bergstrand. "'The ice was in shadow and it was bitterly cold. "'As we crawled up I had not the exercise "'of using the axe to warm me, "'and I got very numb standing on one leg "'waiting for the next step. "'Worse still my legs began to cramp.' "'I was in good condition, but that time under Ivory's rack had played the mischief with my limbs. "'Muscles got out of place in my calves and stood in aching lumps "'till I almost squealed with the pain of it. "'I was mortally afraid I should slip, and every time I moved I called out to wake to warn him. "'He saw what was happening and got the pick of his axe fixed in the ice before I was allowed to stir. "'He spoke often to cheer me up, and his voice had none of its harshness. "'He was like some ill-tempered generals I have known.' "'very gentle in battle. "'At the end the snow began to fall, "'a soft powder like the overspill of a storm "'raging beyond the crest. "'It was just after that that Wake cried out "'that in five minutes we would be at the summit. "'He consulted his wristwatch. "'Jolly good time, too. "'Only twenty-five minutes behind my best. "'It's not one o'clock. "'The next I knew I was lying flat on a pad of snow "'easing my cramped legs, "'while Wake shouted my ear that we were in for something bad.' I was aware of a driving blizzard, but I had no thought of anything but the blessed relief from pain. I lay for some minutes on my back with my legs stiff in the air and the toes turned inwards while my muscles fell into their proper place. It was certainly no spot to linger in. We looked down into a trough of driving mist, which sometimes swirled aside and showed a knuckle of black rock far below. We ate some chocolate, while Wake shouted in my ear that now we had less step-cutting. He did his best to cheer me, but he could not hide his anxiety. Our faces were frosted over like a wedding cake, and the sting of the wind was like a whiplash on our eyelids. The first part was easy, down a slope of firm snow where steps were not needed. Then came ice again, and we had to cut into it below the fresh surface snow. This was so laborious that Wake took to the rocks on the right side of the couloir where there was some shelter from the main force of the blast. I found it easier, for I knew something about rocks, "'but it was difficult enough with every handhold and foothold glazed. "'Presently we were driven back again to the ice "'and painfully cut our way through a throat of the ravine "'where the sides narrowed. "'There the wind was terrible, for the narrows made a kind of funnel, "'and we descended, plastered against the wall, "'and scarcely able to breathe, "'while a tornado plucked at our bodies "'as if it would whisk us like whips of grass into the abyss. "'After that the gorge widened and we had an easier slope,' till suddenly we found ourselves perched on a great tongue of rock round which the snow blew like the froth in a whirlpool. As we stopped for breath, Wake shouted in my ear that this was the black stone. "'The what?' I yelled. "'The Schwarzstein. The Swiss call it the pass— The Swiss call the pass the Schwarzsteinenthor. You can see it from Grunwald. "'I suppose every man has a tinge of superstition in him.' "'To hear that name, in that ferocious place, gave me a sudden access of confidence. "'I seemed to see all my doings as part of a great predestined plan. "'Surely it was not for nothing that the word which had been the key of my first adventure "'in the long tussle should appear in this last phase. "'I felt new strength in my legs, and more vigor in my lungs. "'A good omen!' I shouted. "'Wake, old man! We're going to win!' "'The worst is still to come,' he said. "'And he was right.' To get down that tongue of rock to the lower snows of the Kalur was a job that fairly brought us to the end of our tether. I can feel yet the sour, bleak smell of wet rock and ice, and the hard nerve pain that racked my forehead. The Kafirs used to say that there were devils in the high berg, and this place was assuredly given over to the powers of the air, who had no thought of human life. I seemed to be in the world which had endured from the eternity before man was dreamed of. There was no mercy in it. AND THE ELEMENTS WERE PITTING THEIR IMMORTAL STRENGTH AGAINST TWO pygmies WHO HAD PROFANED THEIR SANCTUARY. I YEARNED FOR WARMTH, FOR THE GLOW OF A FIRE, FOR A TREE OR BLADE OF GRASS, OR ANYTHING WHICH MEANT THE SHELTERED HOMELINESS OF MORTALITY. I KNEW THEN WHAT THE GREEKS MEANT BY PANIC, FOR I WAS SCARED BY THE APATHY OF NATURE. BUT THE TERROR GAVE ME A KIND OF COMFORT TOO. IVORY and HIS DOINGS SEEMED LESS FORMIDABLE. "'Let me but get out of this cold hell, "'and I could meet him with a new confidence. "'Wake led, for he knew the road, "'and the road wanted knowing. "'Otherwise he would have been last on the rope, "'for that is the place of the better man in a descent. "'I had some horrible moments following "'on when the the rope grew taut, "'for I had no help from it. "'We zigzagged down the rock, "'sometimes driven to the ice of the adjacent Kaluers, "'sometimes on the outer ridge of the Black Stone.' "'sometimes wriggling down little cracks "'and over evil boiler plates. "'The snow did not lie on it, "'but the rock crackled with thin ice "'or oozed ice water. "'Often it was only by the grace of God "'that I did not fall headlong "'and pull Wake out of his hold "'to the berg shrun far below. "'I slipped more than once, "'but always by a miracle recovered myself. "'To make things worse, "'Wake was tiring. "'I could feel him drag on the rope. "'He was the mountaineer.' "'and his movements had not the precision "'they had had in the morning. "'He was the mountaineer, and I the novice. "'If he gave out, "'we should never reach the valley.' "'But the fellow was clear grit all through. "'When we reached the foot of the tooth "'that sat huddled up with our faces away from the wind, "'I saw that he was on the edge of fainting. "'What that effort must have cost him "'in the way of resolution, you may guess, "'but he did not fail till the worst was past. "'His lips were colorless,' "'and he was choking with a nausea of fatigue. "'I found a flask of brandy in his pocket, "'and a mouthful revived him. "'I'm all out,' he said. "'The road's easier now, "'and I can direct you about the rest. "'You'd better leave me. "'I'll only be a drag. "'I'll come on as soon as I feel better.' "'No, you don't, you old fool. "'You've got me over the infernal iceberg, "'and I'm going to see you home.' "'I rubbed his arms and legs "'and made him swallow some chocolate.' "'but when he got on his feet, he was as doddery as an old man. "'Happily, we had an easy course down a snow gradient, "'which we glissaded in very unorthodox style. "'The swift motion freshened him up a little, "'and he was able to put on the brake with his axe "'to prevent us cascading into the bergschrund. "'He crossed it by a snow bridge "'and started out on the seracs of the Schwarzstein Glacier. "'I am no mountaineer, not of the snow and ice kind, anyway, "'but I have a big share of physical strength and I wanted it all now. For those seracs were an invention of the devil. To traverse that labyrinth in a blinding snowstorm, with a fainting companion who was too weak to jump the narrowest crevice, and who hung on the rope like lead when there was occasion to use it, was more than I could manage. Besides, every step that brought us nearer to the valley now increased my eagerness to hurry, and wandering in that maze of clotted ice was like the nightmare when you stand on the rails with the express train coming and you're too weak to climb on the platform.' As soon as possible, I left the glacier for the hillside, and though that was laborious enough in all conscience, yet it enabled me to steer a straight course. Wake never spoke a word. When I looked at him, his face was ashen under a gale which should have made his cheeks glow, and he kept his eyes half-closed. He was staggering on at the very limits of his endurance. By and by we were on the moraine, and after splashing through a dozen little glacier streams came on a track which led up the hillside. "'Wake nodded feebly when I asked if this was right. "'Then to my joy I saw a gnarled pine. "'I untied the rope, and Wake dropped like a log on the ground. "'Leave me,' he groaned. "'I'm fairly done. "'I'll come on later.' "'And he shut his eyes. "'My watch told me that it was after five o'clock. "'Get on my back,' I said. "'I won't part from you till i found a cottage. "'You're a hero. "'You've brought me over these damned mountains in a blizzard.' "'and that's what no other man in England could have done. "'Now get up!' "'He obeyed, for he was too far gone to argue. "'I tied his wrists together with a handkerchief below my chin, "'for I wanted my arms to hold up his legs. "'The rope and axes I left in a catch behind the pine tree. "'Then I started trotting down the track for the nearest dwelling. "'My strength felt inexhaustible, "'and the quicksilver in my bones drove me forward. "'The snow was still falling, but the wind was dying down, "'and after the inferno of the pass, it was like summer.' The road wound over the shale of the hillside and to what in spring must have been upland meadows. Then it ran among trees, and far below me on the right I could hear the glacier river turning in its gorge. Soon little empty huts appeared and rough enclosed paddocks, and presently I came out on a shelf above the stream and smelt the wood smoke of a human habitation. I found a middle-aged peasant in the cottage, a guide by profession in summer, and a woodcutter in winter. I brought my hair from Santa Giara, I said, Over the Schwarzsteinenthor. He is very weary and must sleep. I decanted Wake into a chair, and his head nodded on his chest, but his color was better. You and your hare are fools, said the man gruffly, but not unkindly. He must sleep or he will have a fever. The Schwarzsteinenthor in this devil's weather! Is he English? Yes, I said, like all madmen, but he's a good hare and a brave mountaineer. We stripped Wake of his Red Cross uniform, now a collection of sopping rags, and got in between blankets with a huge earthenware bottle of hot water at his feet. The woodcutter's wife boiled milk, and this, with a little brandy added, we made him drink. I was quite easy in my mind about him, for I had seen this condition before. In the morning he would be stiff as a poker, but recovered. Now I'm off for St. Anton, I said. I must get there tonight. You are the hearty one, the man laughed. I will show you the quick road to Gunnwald, where is the railway. With good fortune, you may get the last train. I gave him fifty francs on my heir's behalf, learned his directions for the road, and set off after a draught of goat's milk, munching my last slab of chocolate. I was still strung up to a mechanical activity, and I ran every inch of the three miles to the Staubthal without consciousness of fatigue. I was twenty minutes too soon for the train, and as I sat on a bench in the platform, "'my energy suddenly ebbed away. "'That is what happens after a great exertion. "'I longed to sleep, "'and when the train arrived, "'I crawled into a carriage like a man with a stroke. "'There seemed to be no force left in my limbs. "'I realized that I was leg-weary, "'which is a thing you see sometimes with horses, "'but not often with men. "'All the journey I lay like a log in a kind of a coma, "'and it was with difficulty that I recognized my destination "'and stumbled out of the train.' but I had no sooner emerged from the station at St. Anton than I got my second wind. Much snow had fallen since yesterday, but it had stopped me now. The sky was clear, and the moon was riding. The sight of the familiar place brought back all my anxieties. The day on the call of the swallows was wiped out of my memory, and I saw only the inn at Santa Giara, and heard Wake's hoarse voice speaking of Mary. The lights were twinkling from the village below, and on the right, "'I saw the clump of trees which held the pink chalet. "'I took a short cut across the fields, "'avoiding the little town. "'I ran hard, stumbling often, "'for though I had got my mental energy back, "'my legs were still precarious. "'The station clock had told me "'that it was nearly half-past nine. "'Soon I was on the high road, "'and then at the chalet gates. "'I heard as in a dream "'what seemed to be three shrill blasts on a whistle. "'Then a big car passed me, "'making for St. Anton.' For a second I would have hailed it, but it was past me in a way. But I had a conviction that my business lay in the house, for I thought Ivory was there, and Ivory was what mattered. I marched up the drive with no sort of plan in my head, only a blind rushing on fate. I remembered dimly that I still had three cartridges in my revolver. The front door stood open, and I entered and tiptoed down the passage to the room where I had found the Portuguese Jew. No one hindered me, but it was not for lack of servants. I HAD THE IMPRESSION THAT THERE WERE PEOPLE NEAR ME IN THE DARKNESS, AND I THOUGHT I HEARD German SOFTLY SPOKEN. THERE WAS SOMEONE AHEAD OF ME, PERHAPS THE SPEAKER, FOR I COULD HEAR CAREFUL FOOTSTEPS. IT WAS VERY DARK, BUT A RAY OF LIGHT CAME FROM BELOW THE DOOR OF THE ROOM. THEN BEHIND ME I HEARD THE HALL DOOR CLANG, AND THE NOISE OF A KEY TURNED IN ITS LOCK. I'D WALKED STRAIGHT INTO A TRAP, AND ALL RETREAT WAS CUT OFF. MY MIND WAS BEGINNING TO WORK MORE CLEARLY, THOUGH MY PURPOSE WAS STILL VAGUE. "'I wanted to get at Ivory, and I believed that he was somewhere in front of me. "'And then I thought of the door which had led from the chamber where I had been imprisoned. "'If I could enter that way, I would have the advantage of surprise. "'I groped on the right-hand side of the passage and found a handle. "'It opened upon what seemed to be a dining-room, for there was a faint smell of food. "'Again I had the impression of people near, who for some unknown reason did not molest me. "'At the far end I found another door, which led to a second room, "'which I guessed to be adjacent to the library. "'Beyond it again must lie the passage from the chamber with the rack. "'The whole place was as quiet as a shell. "'I had guessed right. "'I was standing in the passage where I had stood the night before. "'In front of me was the library, "'and there was that same chink of light showing. "'Very softly I turned the handle and opened it a crack. "'The first thing that caught my eye was the profile of Ivory. "'He was looking towards the writing-table.' someone was sitting. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and this is 1001 Stories for the Road. Join us next week for Chapter 18, The Underground Railway. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.